A lot going on in 2014. It was a very exciting and fun year. Seen some amazing transformations in the lives of people. Had a lot of fun doing it. And I know that 2015 is going to be even better because uh, we're going to believe for more. Are you ready to believe for more with me? Are you? And you think that that's just a saying, but it's really not because uh, all the time I run across scriptures uh, in, in the Bible that say, to the degree that you have believed. And um, I'm, not, I'm not about making a mountain out of a molehill, but at the same time, I know that a lot of times we miss out because we just don't believe. We just don't have enough faith. Like Peter walking on the water, the minute he took his eyes off of Christ, he started to sink. But when he was believing, when he had faith, when he had his eyes on Christ, and he was trusting in Christ, he was walking on the water, baby. This year, we need to walk on the water with Christ. We need to, we need to believe. We need to, we need to have more faith. And I know that we can't just conjure that up. I understand that. I, I know enough scripture to understand that. So what we need to do is to enter into a greater submission to the one who not only holds faith and owns faith, but in my estimation, and really, is faith. You see, Christ is faith. We'll get into that here in just a second. Um, I'm gonna read the scripture, and I'm gonna pray over the scripture, and then we're gonna break it down, and uh, we're gonna uh, learn what God has for us and uh, what he has in store for us. All right, we're looking at Genesis chapter four, verses one through 11 today, and we're gonna jump around a little bit to some different scriptures so that we can help understand what is here in Genesis chapter four. We let the Bible interpret the Bible, scripture interpret scripture, and that's what I wanna do today so that we can learn the very, uh, the, the very maximum of what we can get out of this. Genesis chapter four, I'm gonna read verses one through 11, and then we'll go back and break it down. Genesis four, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It's desirous for you, but you must rule over it. Verse eight, Cain spoke to his brother Abel, uh, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground, and now you're cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for the word of God. I thank you for the spirit that helps us to understand the word and it gives us wisdom. I pray, God, that you would grant us wisdom here today because left to our own devices and our unrighteousness, we will not be able to understand. And even if we have a head knowledge, we will not be able to take it and plant it deep down within our hearts where it can be effective. And so, Jesus, I pray that the Holy Spirit would come, that he would enlighten us to the true meaning of the text, that he would plant it and write it on our hearts so that we may truly and rightly understand the word of God so that it would be uh, applied to our lives in such a way that it would be effective in changing us and, and bringing uh, that, that transformation that is so needed 
to make an impact in our lives, a real impact, and in the lives of everyone around us. Lord God, help us not to just talk it, but to walk it. Help us to not only read and hear, but to understand and to put into practice. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. What I want to take from the scripture and what I want to show you today, what God has shown me, is that it is, there is a distinction between giving out of necessity and giving out of responsibility and giving out of faith. What I believe that the scripture is teaching in Genesis chapter four here is exactly what we've seen in the last year happen at the well. As we begin to believe more, our offering and our tithe, our giving, our sacrifices are more acceptable to the Lord and therefore more blessed and more productive. I believe that we can believe for more and we can have more. Now, as I was talking to my wife about this sermon, she's, my wife is really, uh, she's a really good one to hold me accountable on a lot of things that I do. And so when I start talking about believing for more, she's quick to point out, don't get into the health, wealth, and prosperity. And I'm like, come on, you know me better than that. So I want to make it very, 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 very clear that what I'm not saying is, is that if you give us money, you will get more money in return. That is not what I'm saying, okay? Could that happen? It may. But in no way is that guaranteed by God or should you give for that reason because that would absolutely pollute your sacrifice and your offering because you are giving with wrong intent and wrong motivation. It is like giving to God because you want what he's got and not because you want him. You understand that? Can I move on from that now? You understand what I'm saying? I'm not telling you that if you believe and you give more money, then you will get more money. That is in no way what I'm teaching here. But what I do believe is, is that if you have more faith in God and you believe and you give out of knowing him and loving him and believing him, that it will reap more reward and it will mean more to him and it will bring more acceptance from him because the belief is in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is the offering. Let's get in and it'll make more sense as we move along. Believing for more, Genesis chapter four, verses one through 11. The, num the first thing I wanna show you is, is that faith is necessary. We know from Romans chapter eight that it is impossible to please God without faith. You cannot please God without faith. Did you know that? Did you know that all of these people in the world who are doing magnificent and wonderful things with their physical lives, they give money to charities, they give money to this and they give money to that and they do all of these wonderful things, it does not please God if they do not have faith in God. You say, Brandon, that's crazy. You mean all the, all the charities and all the organizations that do so much for people, you mean that that doesn't please God? It warrants no merit with God whatsoever because it's out of an ill heart and an evil heart. Even the good things that we do apart from Jesus Christ are with ill motive and we're looking to gain something from it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We look here and we see that Cain and Abel uh, really, they both did the same thing. And Cain gets a bad rap a lot of the times. Now, as we go on, we'll find out that Cain is a murderer and he deserves the bad rap. But at first glance, they both bring offerings to the Lord. They both bring offerings out of the labor that they're doing. They both bring offerings to God and give them to God and say, here's what I've brought. But there was a different response from God to them because of what? Why did 
Why did God look at Abel's sacrifice and say, oh, this is pleasing to me. Oh, I enjoy this. Oh, I love this. And look at Cain's sacrifice and his offering that he brought and say, I, I got no use for this. You see, we don't really find that here in this text, except if you read on, you could infer that because Cain was evil, but why? And that's what I wanna do. You see, the first thing I wanted to see is it's never really about what you bring, but how you bring it. It's never really about what you bring, but how you bring it. We go to the, the widow and her might versus the rich man who gave all kinds of money, but who was more faithful in the Lord's eyes? She that gave little because she gave all that she had. It was out of her heart. She was given out of her heart. She was given out of her faith. If we look over to Hebrews chapter 11, verse four, it clarifies for us why it was that God had a problem with Cain's sacrifice, but did not have a problem with Abel's sacrifice. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse four. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gift. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. You see, the differentiating factor was the faith that Abel had. And so let me tell you this, is that you can come in here and you can give and you can go out there and you can give, but if you're not giving out of the faith that you have for God, it is in vain and it warrants nothing. You see, this goes back to legalism and religiosity versus relationship and love. All the time we try to go into the world and we try, to, we try to work the world and we try to work the ground and we try to till the soil and it's fighting against us but what we think is is that we can do enough good that we can reap good things out of this bad world. And we give and we give and we give and we say, God, you owe me, you owe me because I've done these good things. But we don't have any faith in God and what God has done. We have faith in ourselves and what we have done and we say, I brought this sacrifice, now you owe me but it's out of a, a wrong motive, which is exactly what Cain did, and that's why he got angry. You see, when Cain brought his sacrifice, it was not out of faith, but it was out of willing and grit and determination, and he brought this, and he said, here you go, Lord, and God said, I don't even really want that. So what was Cain's response? Cain's response was, how could you, he fell. How could he, it says his face fell. How many times have we been in a situation where we've given, we've been faithful, we've done this, we've done that, we've went to church all the time, we, we, we've given our tithes, we've given our offerings, but found ourselves broken. We look at the Lord and we say, but I gave. You see, we like to look and say, I don't really have this problem, Brandon, I have faith, I have faith, but your actions will reveal your heart. How often, and I fall into this from time to time, how often do we look and we say, but Lord, I've been reading my Bible every day, I've been going to church, I've been, I've been paying, but you mean to tell me that I've lost my job, I don't have any work right now? How could you do this to me, God? And God the whole time is saying, was you giving those things so that I would keep you up, or was you giving those things because you loved me? It's, not, it's never really about what you bring, but how you bring it. We need to check our hearts in 2015. Listen, Hebrews 11:4 tells us the difference in giving was faith, but Hebrews chapter 11, verse one tells us the definition of faith, so we're not misunderstanding here. Listen, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. And out of this, as I prayed, the Lord gave me this little sentence right here. The, the key ingredient to Cain's fall 
The key ingredient to Cain's fall, and will be your fall and my fall too if we don't watch it. The key ingredient to Cain's fall was mistrust and the desire for immediate gratification. <coughs> mistrust and the desire for immediate gratification. You say, where did you get that from in this text, Brandon? Look at, it, look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith, now remember that faith is the difference between Abel's gift and offering and Cain's gift and offering. What was the difference? It says, Abel had faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So therefore, now it doesn't tell us exactly what type of sacrifice. It gives some details, but it doesn't say a whole lot. Now we can... We can gain some inferences from this. In Genesis chapter four, it said that Cain's offering was fruit of the ground. Now, how many fruits do you know that grow on the ground? Not a whole lot. So, now this would be a stretch, and that's why I didn't put this as one of the main points. It kind of, it kind of makes us think that the fruit that fell off of the tree is what he picked up and gave to the Lord. You see why that'd be a problem? I'm picking this fruit right here and I'm gonna make some money on this. I'm gonna harvest this, I'm gonna eat this. All this is good. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot, the Lord needs something. You see, you got the worst. Now that's a little inference and I think that, that probably is legit. But Abel, what does it say about Abel? It says that he was a keeper of the sheep, which is what, we all know, a shepherd. Okay, he's a shepherd and he's tending his flocks and he takes his sheep and he brings it to the Lord along with the fat portions. And the fat portions, if anybody here is a steak eater and eats it right, they like to keep the fat on that steak, baby. Why? Because that's where the juices is, right? And so we see that Abel brought a good offering to the Lord. He brought the best, he brought the first, he brought a good offering. Now, all of those are inferred from the text, so that's not written in there in stone, but what I do wanna show you is this, is that if faith, if faith was the differentiating factor between Abel and Cain, it was what separated them, it was the difference in their gifts, and Abel had faith and Cain did not have faith, and faith is the assurance of things hoped for, right? And the confidence of the convictions or the, the, the knowing that they are going to be there, read it right out of there. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. What that tells me is, is that Abel came with an offering that showed his faith that he was assured of things hoped for that wasn't yet and that he was convinced of things that he could not see. So it makes me think that he gave a sacrifice that was probably very risky to him. Is it, are you trekking with this? You following what I'm saying? He more than likely gave an offering that made him trust in God for the things that could not be seen and the things that were hoped for. So he gave this offering and he said, Lord, I don't know if, if, if I'm gonna be able to make it, but I'm hoping and I'm, I'm assured that you're going to carry me through. Lord, I'm giving this and I can't see how I'm gonna make it because you've asked, I'm giving you the best and it's gonna hurt me and I can't see, but I'm trusting, I'll have faith. But Cain's sacrifice, his offering was given and he did not need the assurance of things hoped for, he didn't have faith. He did not need the convictions of things not seen, why? Because he could see his reward and he had it. He didn't hope for it, he had it because he didn't give it to the Lord. You see what I'm saying? He did not give that which was hoped for and that which was seen to the Lord. He held on to it. He gave the Lord the seconds the fruit off the ground. He didn't trust. His fall was mistrust. So number one, faith is absolutely necessary. Faith is absolutely necessary. Number two, I want you to understand that this is not easy. 
It's not easy for you to give $314,000 last year because I know I've talked to almost 50% of you about job loss and you're struggling at work and you, know, you, you, you have these bills and this debt that hit and this and this and this and this. It's not easy. Number two, faith is deadly. So many preachers do preach the whole health, wealth, and prosperity thing that it's really, really scary and detrimental to true faith, I believe. Because what it gives is the false idea that if you believe in God, that if you have faith in God, then you are going to have everything that your heart desires. Jobs are going to open for you. Doors are going to swing open. And I've heard preachers say that if you would only believe, then you wouldn't even be sick. As a matter of fact, I heard this story, and I didn't know this guy firsthand, but I heard this story about a health, wealth, prosperity preacher that believed if you only had enough faith, then you would never get sick, you would never be broke, you would never be in poverty, and you would never be homeless, you would never struggle if you only had enough faith. Now that just exempted Jesus Christ, but other than that, for some reason he believed this. But he was faced with a dilemma. His wife was diagnosed with cancer. So this health, wealth, and prosperity preacher was faced with a dilemma. He's looking at his wife, who he knows loves the Lord, who he knows is faithful, he knows her, so he must look at her and he must make a decision. Do I hold on to this health and wealth prosperity doctrine or do I say that it rains on the just and the unjust alike? And the story that I read, the man told his wife she was sinning and that she needed to figure out what the sin was in her life so that she could be healed from this cancer. But she died. And he had, due to his doctrine, he had to either change his doctrine or say that she died in sin. That's silliness. That's silliness. You see, faith is deadly and Christianity is hard. Sometimes you give those sacrifices and you make those offerings and you love the Lord and you go after him, but it's all a test. You see, how could a loving God put me through such a test? Because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And he is so extremely more wise than us, so far above and beyond how we think. We don't understand the good things that he's bringing to us through these trials, through these tribulations, through these sufferings, but he does. You see, we, we like to think, God, how could you do this to me? And God is thinking, what are you talking about? I'm doing this for you. Amen? You see, a lot of the times we look and we say, God, how could you? And God's looking and say, how could you not understand that I've got you in the palm of my hand? That rhymed. You see, it's never really gonna be easy here, even for the faith. You say, where do you get that out of the text? We gotta get it out of the Bible or it's no good. So look at Genesis chapter four. <clears throat> it goes on. He goes on here and he says, but for Cain, his offering, he had, uh, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard, so Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desires for you, but you must rule over it. So he was overwhelmed with sin. He had this evil intent in his heart. The offering that it was that he brought was not faithful whatsoever. He offered God the seconds. He didn't, he didn't love God. He didn't give out of the, the, the abundance of his heart. So this is what happened. 
Verse eight, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they, went, when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, and, uh, brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know, am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother, your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Does it not jump out to you like it did to me that at the end of the day, Abel brought the, the sacrifice that was good? He brought the good offering. He was faithful. He had faith in God. And his, his offering was acceptable. But he was the one that died. It's not always going to be easy, guys. And in 2015, we need to press after the Lord. We need to go after God. And we need to say, it does not matter what comes my way. I will have faith in God. I will not turn to the right. I will not turn to the left. But I will keep my feet straight forward. And I will go after God every day of my life because he is worth it. Not because it will be easy, but because he is worth it. Is God worth it? Isn't he worth it? God is worth it. And though we die, though we be slain like sheep to the slaughter, he is worth it and he is worthy. Believing for more, you say, I'm not seeing the optimism of the more. <laughs> Let's continue on because you will. It says his, his, his blood cries out to me from the ground. His blood cries out to me from the ground. You see, it's never really gonna be easy here, even for the faithful. We see that when Abel was killed by his brother Cain. First John 3, 11 through 13 tells us why Cain killed Abel. It tells us why Cain killed Abel. Listen to 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 11. <clears throat> for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, listen to this, who was the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. The reason that Cain killed Abel was that Cain was evil and his brother was good. You see, as you stand for good, as you stand for Christ, as you are faithful, those that are in the darkness will see you and they will either be changed by the gospel that you proclaim or they will hate your stinking guts. You know why? Because the darkness has seen the light and it has hated the light. A little illustration to help you understand that point. How many of you have ever been having a bad day? Boy, y'all like y'all have lots of bad days. Is this where all the bad day congregators come? <laughs> you're having a bad day and you get around, Billy Bob jump around and he's so bouncy, bubbly and excited all the time. And you just want to string, you just want to grab him by the neck, and you just want to shake him like this right here, right? You ever been around that guy? You just having a bad day? Oh, hey, how are you today, brother? Isn't it a wonderful day in the neighborhood? And you just, no! <laughs> you see, it's, it's so hard to be around the light when you're struggling with the darkness. That's why depression is such a scary disease. And I do believe that depression is, is chemical. I do believe that it's an attack from Satan many of the times, but it's real. And the problem with depression is that it puts you in a black hole 
And what happens when you're a black hole? What do we know? If you're, if you're in the darkness, if you're struggling with darkness, and believers, I do believe, can fall into that depression and they can struggle with darkness. What do we know that if you're in the darkness, even if you're a believer, what do we know? You don't wanna be around anybody from the light. It's a double-edged sword. You shut people out, you walk away, you turn, the, you turn your head, you don't wanna see, you close the door, you lock the door, you turn off the lights and you can't, you can't seem to get out of that hole. The darkness has seen the light and it has hated the light. So it's not gonna be easy for us, guys. As we're more faithful and as we give and as we go, we're going to experience attack, but God is worth it. God is worth it. Is God worth it? Is it worth it? Listen, I wanna show you that because we can't end here. Now what I've told you is, is that you must have faith because faith is necessary and your faith is gonna be extremely hard. Your faith is gonna be extremely hard and even deadly. You have to bank and come on up because I really need you to play behind me on this to make me a little better. <clears throat> it's gonna be extremely hard. Faith is absolutely deadly. And you've seen the text right there in 1 John and it's uh, chapter three, go down to verse 13. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love our brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. It's gonna be really, really tough. Now, there's some other stuff there, but I need to move on a little bit. The third thing is, and this, this absolutely blew my mind. Now, are you guys keeping up with me? You understanding today? Faith is necessary. Without faith, you can't please God. No matter how much you bring, you can be filthy, stinking rich and bring a billion dollars into the church and God will turn up his nose if you don't have faith. As a matter of fact, there's another scripture that says all of your, your so-called righteousness are, are like filthy rags to the Lord. See me after the service and I'll tell you what the true translation of filthy rags is. Okay, it's pretty disgusting. So all of your so-called righteousness disgusts the Lord. You understand that? Do not think you can come in here and bring something to the Lord that he does not already have. He is not served by hands as if he needed anything. What he is looking for is a broken heart that has been put back together by the grand creator, Jesus Christ. The third point and the most spectacular point and, and one of the greatest things I've seen since I've been looking here. I was reading this and you gotta understand how I read the Bible. You should read it this way too. We're gonna offer a class this year on how to read the Bible and how to see Christ, okay? I'm gonna offer that. Who would be interested in that? Just, just a quick, praise the Lord. Now you remember that when we offer it. Don't let me be sitting there by myself, all right? When I read the Old Testament, I, I dig in and, I, and I'm reading, I'm saying, okay, help me to understand what the audience that read this from the very beginning, help me to understand what they would have seen. That's the meaning of the text. You can't go and say, oh, I think this means this and means that. You've gotta understand the original meaning, okay? Moses was writing this book. So we look at this and we say, okay, what was Moses trying to say? He was trying to give us information about Abel. He was trying to give us information about Cain. He was trying to give us information about the fall of man and the redemption of man. And he turns this story on its head and, and, he, and, he, and he starts to paint a picture for us. And so my next question immediately is after I find the immediate meaning, the, the true meaning that the audience was intended to get, I look and I say, okay, now what does this tell me about Christ? Because if we're not about Jesus, we're not about nothing, baby. 
We're not about anything. We gotta be about Jesus. We gotta find Jesus. We all roads lead back to Christ. And if they don't, then they lead to death, hell, and a dead end. It's all about Jesus. And let me show you what I was looking for here. I read this and I got down to where immediately it says, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. I said, I know another shepherd. Number three, faith is Jesus. Pop the first thing up. You see, I'm looking, I say, I'm gonna get to that in just a second. Pop the next one up. There was another shepherd whose blood was spilt by the hand of his evil brother because of his righteousness. Now, I'm reading this story. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, and he brings, he brings a sheep to the Lord for the slaughter, okay? He was faithful, he was righteous, he was obedient. And then because of his righteousness, he was murdered by his evil brother. Though he, though he had not done anything wrong, he was murdered by his brother. And then it said that, that his, his blood, Abel's blood was spilled into the ground. The ground opened up its mouth and swallowed up his blood and his blood was crying out from the ground against his brother. And because of the blood that was spilled, was the curse on his brother that would follow him for the rest of his life. And so I started thinking, where's Jesus? Jesus is a shepherd. Jesus' blood was spilled by the hand of his evil brothers. And it was spilled because he was righteous. And I said, but the blood, blood doesn't make any sense because Jesus' blood was spilled, but it didn't cry out against us but it cried out for us. And I said, Lord, I don't wanna read anything into this text. I don't wanna read anything into this text, but I just can't hardly get away from that. And the Lord led me to this verse. Hebrews chapter 12. We're gonna start in verse 21. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, <laughs> you see, Jesus Christ is the shepherd. This is all about Jesus. You see, faith is Jesus. The difference is the way their blood cries out. It's always really about Jesus Christ. You see, I can tell you to have more faith. I can tell you your faith is dangerous. But what is faith without Christ? It's nothing. Nothing at all. You see, without Jesus Christ being the shepherd, even being the sheep that Abel offered, without his blood being spilt onto the ground, you are Cain. We look at this and we say, we need to be like Abel. And we make this text out to be about us. We need to be more faithful. We need to be more obedient. We need to bring the right offering. We need to have the right heart. No. We need to realize that this is all about Jesus and Jesus was the only one and will ever be the only one that's ever been obedient to the point of death. 
He has ever been the only one that has never sinned. He's the only one that's filled his blood in a righteous way. He's the only one that satisfies the wrath of God. He is the only one that's blood was spilled and cries out from the ground for you. That is faith. We have no faith if we have no Jesus. Muhammad can't do this. Buddha can't do this. They're buried in some unmarked grave burning forever. They are no God. They're demons in disguise. Jesus Christ was the righteous son of God, the spotless lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And I tell you today, brothers and sisters, that if you have Jesus Christ, you have all the faith you need to do anything that you will ever need to do ever in a million years. And you might be broke, busted, and disgusted. But you will never fall. Because Jesus Christ owns it all. As we stand to our feet and as we contemplate the sacrifice of the blood of Christ. As he poured out his blood on the cross and it ran down his tattered head and beaten body onto the ground. Can you hear his blood crying out in a loud voice, Father, forgive them, because they know not what they do. Can you hear his blood crying out, it is finished, it is finished. (laughs) He's the only way. Let me end with Christ, because Christ is the only thing that matters in this place. We can talk about money, we can talk about buildings, we can talk about this, we can talk about that. Jesus is the only thing that matters. Jesus Christ is the only thing that matters. Let us just say with one voice, the name above all names. Would you say his name with me? One, two, three, Jesus. Let's say it again, Jesus, Jesus. Yes, he is a holy God, man. He is a holy God, and we say hallelujah. Jesus, we hear your sweet blood crying from the ground. We hear your voice reaching to the heavens, whispering in the ears of God, I have paid it all. I have cleansed them from their sins and made them white as snow. We hear your blood crying out that there needs no more to be death because I've died. We know, God, that there is nothing in us good. There is nothing in you good. There is nothing that you could bring to God that he doesn't already have. There is nothing that you could offer to him that he doesn't already own. There is nothing that you can bring except a broken and contrite spirit. Would you be broken today? Even if you're already a believer, would you bow on your face today and praise his holy name? Today, believer and unbeliever alike, if you do not know Christ today and you hear his blood screaming from the ground, and you would like to be washed in the blood of the perfect and spotless lamb, would you shoot your hand up into the air? You can come down here today and I'll pray with you and we will will seek God together and he will give you a new day and a new presence. Is there any here that would, would be the first to be saved in 2015 here at this church? There's three there. You guys want a salvation? Come down here, please. Give God a hand today. Praise God. Here, come here with me. Mark, can you come down here with me, please? Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah.
Is there any others here that need salvation today? Are there any others here? The voice of Christ is calling out and His blood can be heard through eternity. I'm not going to prolong it forever. I just want you to have an opportunity. Hey, this train's coming. This train's rolling and nobody's going to stop it. You either get on board or you get run over. Christ is all and He's in all. And He will be glorified. I just pray that it's willingly. Anybody else? I want now to open the altar for those of you who are already believers. For those of you who are struggling with whether or not you want to be a believer or not. Maybe you don't really clearly understand because the Spirit has not opened your eyes yet. Maybe you just want to come and get on your face, get on your knees and say, God, thank you so much for spilling your precious blood for my soul. The altar is open. The altar is open. Come, bow before God.